listening to Worst Show Ever. I'm your host, CJ Boyd. I'm here with Milan Pereira. We are in York, Ontario. Uh, yes. Right? Technically, just outside of Toronto? It's that... actually in Toronto, okay. but we call it York. Okay. <laughs> um, we're in Milan's uh, apartment, and I was just remembering, actually, on the way over here, I think we played, the very first time I ever played in Canada was with Milan, uh, and I had a, I just remember having a kind of really negative experience earlier in the day, and then you sort of feeling bad, and like wanting, like taking me out to Chinese food after the gig, <laughs> to, like, to like make up for the jerks that I had encountered, uh, it was very sweet, um, and that was, I don't know what year that was, but that was probably like 2000. Wow, it was a while ago. Five or yeah, four, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Did you crash in my place? Uh, I think so. Did you end yeah. up crashing? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was on Arlington Avenue. But so, we were just sort of talking a little bit before. You've been in this game a long time. Yep. Uh, what did you say, 30, 35 35 years? 35 years. I came to Toronto in 77 and started playing just, just by freak occurrence. Played uh, adventurous music. Yeah. In eighty three, eighty four is when I started okay. playing with the whole scene that was being inspired by the Lower East Side uh, okay. music, punk funk thing. Arnett Coleman, primetime band, and uh, James Blood Almer was having a big influence in uh, Toronto at that time. And yeah, and it was still like Toronto was still pretty gritty back then. So pretty actually, what? Gritty. Gritty. So yeah. you could actually live, you know, <laughs> downtown and not maybe. Yeah. You know, run out of town by the yuppies, you know, Yeah, gotcha, thing. gotcha. So, yeah, so, um, worst gig ever. It's funny because playing improvised music, um, you're really, for me, the venue or the bar or the people who run the place really don't matter to me because once okay. I get up there, yeah, I'm playing. And yeah. it's sort of like I'm zoned, and I'm playing with people who I want to play with. Yeah. And usually, they're pretty heavy. I mean, I started out playing with people who forgotten more about music than all over now. Okay. That kind of shit, yeah. you know. Yeah. But you know, I add something. They like what I did, and they're open enough to say, you know, come and join the band. I said, saying, I can't read, man. I said, we don't care. Make it up, and we'll do it. Right. right. And I was, I was in, for pretty much four bands after the first three years. Right. Yeah. So anyway, um, so what happens to make a gig bad, and it's happened twice, is shit happening on stage that sort of took advantage of the vulnerable state I was in to be able to re- give and receive. Okay. Because it's improvised. You're conducting a conversation. You got to open yourself up. Yeah. Like for me anyway, like on a microsecond to microsecond basis. Yeah. And you're talking with people that you trust and you trust them to respond understand you and if you fall in a hole they'll be there yeah you know kind of thing when you're playing it's probably the same with you know i haven't played in that many pop bands or anything like that or you know regular music you know (laughs) (laughs) song form music but i imagine it kind of works the same but you know you got to play an arrangement so that B flat's gonna come by after you know eight bars. You know that's gonna happen. You play that and you can fuck it up, but that's usually you know you got, you got it together. Right? But as far as depending on the other folks, I think it's different. I've I mean I play a lot of inst- improvised music, but also yeah, I've done the song thing yeah. here and there too. And I feel like the difference is that when there's a structure, 
that's predetermined, everybody's relying on that, and as yeah. at least as much as they're relying on each other. Yeah. Whereas when there's not a structure that's predetermined, you just have each other, and there's oh, no man, yeah. there's nothing else to lean on really, right? It's constantly walking off the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just it. It's a, it's a constant process of walking off the cliff. Yeah. So anyway, um, I'd also been working on what I call socializing abstraction, which is trying to make a connection with abstract music uh, with an audience that may not understand abstract music. I mean, okay. for me, I've done something called Culture Days, and what it is is you go out and play in libraries, and people just wander in and out. You okay. know, just, you know, what do you got, you know? So I played with two phenomenal musicians, Nick Fraser on drums and Rob Clutton on bass, and what I do is ask the audience, okay, how many people like films? They all raise up their hands. See movies? Yeah. And I'd say, okay, you know, okay, um, how many of you people, okay, what kind of music is playing when you're playing, when it's scary? What kind of music is playing when it's romantic? All this, and they're all going, ah, and I said, well, that's what we're playing. We're playing for a mu movie inside your head, so I want you to think about that when we're playing. And they get it. The truck drivers and housewives and little kids and stuff, but they all get it. Yeah. When you say that, they're going, oh, okay. And then I ask them questions for them. Anyway, socializing abstraction. So one of the bands I started <clears throat> was a band where I played and sang like stuff like R.L. Burnside okay. and Muddy Waters and stuff and just played it like it sat, you know? Yeah, and the only way I would improvise was either extending the form like adding an extra bar on yeah. or slowing it down a bit. The same thing that you know, blues musicians have done for millennia, right? Sure. Especially yeah. the old guys, you know, I just look, oh, I got something else to say and I'm going to tack on another two bars and the rhythm section's going to freak out. You know, <laughs> that kind yeah. of thing. So anyway, so I had a quintet, really good, you know, who'd play. And sometimes it wasn't a regular quintet, but some horn players were in, other horn players were out in. And kind of switched up drummers once or twice. Probably the same acoustic basis as Wes Neal's. I'm still playing with. It's phenomenal. And uh, they play. I'd ask them to play the sound design of the piece, not play what I'm playing. You're not playing blues with me. You're playing. I had music stands, but I just had the lyrics on the music stands, just okay. to get them locked into what the music said. Okay. Rather than play what I'm playing, so it's just like don't play what I'm playing. You're not playing blues. You're just playing free, free improv okay. around this this guy. You're like it's like you're playing with a sample, right? Right. It was it, it was fucking hard for them and for okay. me. But they they went into it, man. They were cool. But you're saying like you don't want them to listen. They want you want them to listen to you, yeah. but just not imitate you or like yeah. match you. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't play the form. Yeah. It's like Miles when he was talking to his bitches brew band. He says, "It's an F." Don't play the F. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you got to play everything else. Yeah. Well, you yeah. can't play the F, right? It was yeah. brilliant. I still do that. Yeah. But, um, so anyway, yeah, so that, that was happening. We've had, I played for almost a year with that band, the Transac, and a couple other things. It was great. It was just fucking worked. Yeah. So I, there was this one gig where I had to sub in the drummer and sub in two sax players. I had a trumpet player, I'm not gonna mention names, trumpet player, my bass player, Wes, and trumpet player's partner on alto. And okay. all of these people are fucking heavy, right? I yeah. mean, they're just like, they're just great. 
Yeah. So also playing in this uh, a place called a train studio, which okay. was a, a black owned bar. Right. And it was part of a thing that was going citywide. So and when is this? Just roughly? Oh shit, this was about it was a while ago. I mean, 80s, 90s, aughts? Oh, uh, like early, mid 2000s. Okay. Let's just say that. Just curious, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm old, you know, it's all foggy yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> I don't give it's a shit. It's just a ballpark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 2000s, good. Uh, I wasn't 10 then, okay? Okay. And, <laughs> yeah. and anyway, um, so we were playing. And it was fucked, man. The tenor players, the two players, the tenor players, started going into a dick-waving contest. Oh, yeah. And they weren't playing, you know, they were just, they were just listening to each other. The drummer, who was, was crazy heavy, started going with them. Okay. And now you're saying the drummer and the two horn players were new? They were like not part of the Well, they're band? not part of it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I've known them for years. I yeah. mean, these are people that I've known and these are yeah. people who are like I respect and they respect me. Yeah. But they just at that point, I don't think the drummer was really drummer is just playing himself. Yeah. And he's an aggressive player. It's yeah. fine, you know. I knew yeah. knew that when when uh I asked him. But he's great. He's a phenomenal player. But these guys, the horn players, just started taking it way too far okay. to the point where I, I knew they couldn't hear everybody else and yeah. I knew they couldn't hear me. And slowly but surely, it just destroyed me. I, like, I, it hurt so bad, man. Okay. Like it went so far inside me that yeah. it, it was painful and I was like, it was like I, somebody if I can like, I don't know, how can I say this? invalidated my existence okay I'll say that yeah because these guys these people weren't bad people these people weren't people I wasn't gonna you know I, I would talk to again yeah as personal they're, they're lovely people right uh, I will say that you know they're not assholes but on step that tough point on stage they were assholes yeah they weren't playing the music and I was so connected to that process right and so like Okay, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm focused, right? But they took that focus, and it was like I opened myself up, and they just fucking drove a stake through my heart, kind of yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And that hurt so much, man. It hurt. Yeah. It hurt really bad. It, it wasn't about that. It was my music, right? It right. was our music. It was right. the music. Right. It was something that was separate from. It was a collective experience that I had formulated but you know I didn't own it right, right. for them to, them to work so it wasn't, I wasn't attached to oh, you fucked up my song kind of thing right right it was just sort of like it was more like they fucked up the the whole like process that you were trying to go for of, yeah. of like the experience of actually yeah. getting beyond your ego and and getting to like yeah, play music together but it was personal man like, yeah like yeah. I, I came off the stage and I sat there and the great thing about it was the people who were on after me do you know a bass player named Rich Brown? I've heard the name but I don't, I don't know he's a fucking gorgeous guy he, he's one of the most melodic bassists electric bassists I've ever heard yeah. he came up and I was just sitting there like I I couldn't talk yeah. I was just sitting in a, in a chair and, and everybody else knew what had happened 
and they were kind of like avoiding me. Everyone in your band? Yeah. Yeah. They just sort of went off, and I was just sitting there like, uh, what just happened? And I, and I feel shit. Yeah. But the bass player came on stage with his band, and it was kind of fusion-y kind of thing. Yeah. Like, awesome musicians, but and he played this solo, and it just like a, it was a bomb in my heart, like B-A-L-M. Yeah. It just like touched kid. my heart. Yeah. And it healed me. Yeah. So at the same two hours, I was like destroyed and healed. Yeah. By music. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and the interesting thing was is that like I just packed up and laughed and, and the bassist and the trumpet player and the alto player were both like looking at me like and I was at a it was somewhere there after one of the oh, gigs yeah. at somewhere there later that's Scott's venue where I showed up because a bunch of them were playing and all three of them showed up, the bassist, the, the trumpet player. I went up to them, and they were looking at me with their eyes blown open because they realized. I said, what the fuck happened? Right? Yeah. I asked them. I said, it was my imagination? And all three of them are quiet people. And the bassist looked at me and said, no, man, they fucked it up. <laughs> right? and, the, and then both the other two people went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're so sorry. Yeah, but they really fucked it up, man. We knew you were fucked. Yeah, we didn't know what to do because we were open. Yeah, and that's really rough, right? If, if once it kind of goes that way, I don't even know. I don't know what to do other than just to experience it. Like I don't know that there's any cure. I mean, you got cured later. Yeah, but, I got cured later <laughs> from yeah, somebody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if somebody's just not willing to listen and actually be a part of it but it's just taking it as an opportunity to show off it's just i don't know they had, a, they had a pissing contest on yeah. and, and it, the thing is if you're if you're listening to it you get your mind blown because they're both heavy players yeah so they're like shredding right? right and the drummer was playing and it was like macho balls to the wall type stuff yeah. right but they weren't playing what was supposed to be played right right or what I thought it, it didn't it didn't fit and I just sort of went back to the other players to say what the fuck happened right yeah and they all agreed it wasn't it wasn't cool yeah you know and it's not like I mean it's difficult because it was in the moment that that happened right and I I'm, I play with one of them now okay you know and I, and the other guy kind of dropped off the map because of family reasons he's got he's gigging or he's got He's got family stuff happening. Yeah. And the drummer, I, dr drummer who also runs a studio, recorded, you know, stuff for me for free. Yeah. So it's like we're all community and there's no, there's no bad feeling. Right. But, um, which is interesting for me because it was just happened at the time that their personalities sort of took over and they decided that they were just going to do this. Yeah. And they probably thought it was okay. Right. Like, I don't think it was that bad intent. Right. You know, they just figured, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to blow. And and it was just like, for me, it was just like getting slapped in the head, right? Do you think, now, had you played with them before? Yeah. You'd played with other times and it was... It was like, fine. Well, maybe not in that band. Not in that context. Yeah, like, definitely in, one in of them. In that situation, you were going for something kind of specific where like yeah. with this blues guitar and vocal thing sort of separate from this soundscape thing yeah yeah uh, but I guess 
the context matters because then in plenty of other sort of like free jazz contexts what they did would have been totally normal or yeah like yeah appropriate. yeah it was flat out improvised but but even with free jazz man you have to listen so this is a thing that's come up on this show a couple times i think you should listen but if you don't there's people that think that's fine like, like there's a there's a place for you in the yeah. in the free jazz world is I think the way I phrased it before, um, and I I don't want to like stereotype or or talk yeah. bad about a whole group of people, but tenor players as a as a group are more inclined to just like close their ears and play than a lot of other people. Well. Are. It- yeah, yes and no. I mean, there's... Okay, there's the whole thing about soloing and accompaniment that yeah. falls into there, right? My idea of, of free improvisation, like totally free improvisation, is, is that usually somebody has a strong idea. What I usually do is get somebody to start. Yeah. Right? And they're usually strong enough to be able to start, and then other people glom onto that idea. Yeah. Uh, sort of make that... I expand on the idea... And usually the idea morphs and then it changes and then you play that change. So it's the whole idea of it's respecting what's going on. I and mean, right. you can go, come up and rip, tear it apart. That's great. But, you know, what are you going to do after that? Because right. somebody or you have got to, like, develop it into something. Like, oh, I don't believe in playing for, like, 20 minutes straight. I mean, I've heard C.C. Cecil Taylor plays 20 minutes straight and it sucked. Okay. And he's the master, right? I've seen him about five times, and he he does, you know, there's a, at least once where it was like, yeah, whatever, shut up. Okay. And, you know, okay. And you know, it happens. I mean, they're not perfect, you know. Yeah. But to compose spontaneously, compose for twenty minutes to an hour, that's really fucking hard to do and make a coherent musical statement. Yeah. You know, stop for fuck's sake! You know, it's like it's like <laughs> oh, that Miles story. Like he's talking to Train, and and and, and Miles would say like, like, how come you play so much? And my and and Train would say something like, I don't know what how to stop. And Miles says, take the horn out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Miles, man. <laughs> That, that's what how you stop. Take the horn out of your mouth. Okay, but to be fair, <laughs> and I, I'm sure I'm with I'm with him on this, but it is harder than that. Yep. I mean, I find even on a short weather, regardless of the length, yep. if you're committed, and like I know that you're committed to this, but not all improvisers mm-hmm. are, but if you're committed to the whole thing being a... I forget how you phrased it just now, but like a... Spontaneous composition. Well, but like a... Oh, okay. That it, that it be a meaningful articulation of something, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. That it not just be sounds for however long yeah. that then stop. Yeah. It is hard to know when to stop. I mean, I feel like that is part of every oh, yeah. single improvisation that I've ever been a part of. Yeah. Once you start, then the question is, where is this going to lead? I don't know yet, but I need to be listening for when it's appropriate to stop. Yeah, and man. that might be for me, and I, I think we might disagree on this. I, I'm fine with longer things. Yep. If again at the end it feels like that is when it needed to end, if it if it felt like it needed to end ten minutes ago and you're still going, you fucked up. Yep. And that happens. <laughs> I've definitely been a part of that happening, but uh, but yeah, I think once you start, you 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 initiate something that then now has an appropriate ending and you don't know what it is yet 
but you have to listen for it and it, it and that's the rainbow sash black belt kung fu of music <laughs> right right i mean people have told me this I, i've read this that you know okay in in the martial arts somebody told me okay once you finish your 10th degree black belt or rainbow sash kung fu that's when you start tai chi okay all right and in a way i like I'm very hardcore about improvised music. Yeah. It's just like we're making a composition. Right. What is a composition? It has a beginning, middle, and end. Right. The best music I've ever played is when everybody stops like, like that. Right. There's no totally. dribbling off. There's no, right. nothing of this shit. It's not playing forever. And there's no, like, I believe in the suites of pieces too. And I know people play and then everything kind of like, maybe this should stop. Oh, I think it should stop. But then somebody takes it off again. Right. right. And you, that's an edit job. But <laughs> free improvisation, I get some pretty stony looks about this. Editing's for wimps, man. <laughs> right. You want to fucking edit your piece? I mean, you're not, doing, you're not playing music. Oh, I think that's a little harsh. Well, I've said There's, that to be an asshole. Yeah, you know? like, but, but it's a sort of... When I play with people I don't know, okay? I have an exercise, especially what, if I'm teaching or doing a workshop or something, right? I say, okay, we're going to do three or four 30-second pieces. So I got a clock here. Yeah. You know, and we're gonna play three thirty-second pieces. We're gonna play two or three one-minute pieces. Then we're gonna play two five-minute pieces. Then we're gonna play a ten-minute pieces, and then we're gonna blow. Okay. That sharpens up the concentration a lot because if you have to make a coherent musical statement, especially with a bunch of people yeah. in thirty seconds, right? You got it's like it's like calligraphy. Mm. It's like bang, you do the the thing, and that's it. It's done. Right. Right in thirty seconds, it's one brush stroke, mm-hmm. and it's done, man. So when people <laughs> do that shit, man, I mean, even with seasoned players, it comes off really well because afterwards they don't play for any more than ten minutes. It's just like all of a sudden their mind f- has been focused on on making uh, instantaneous coherent statements that have a time length because they're looking at this clock. Yeah. I, get, I used to have a big a digital readout thing right. and it just read down from 30 seconds Right. so they'd, it'd be in front of them and they'd be like reading it down and they'd be like well okay we gotta find an ending here because I got 10 seconds here right, and right. I gotta listen to these people I love that as an exercise but then when obviously when you go into the actual world of improvisation yep. you don't have a clock I mean you can no, you, no. That, but that's a sort of artificial yeah, yeah, yeah. thing yeah, that yeah, you're adding yeah, to yeah. it right then that that again you you have to be listening there's nothing but listening that will lead you to know absolutely. when to end absolutely and yeah we've all everyone who's improvised music i'm sure has has been wrong <laughs> like you will be wrong sometimes well, it, <laughs> wrong know? is a funny word with improvised no, I, music. no but i just yeah i actually don't think so i mean I, maybe again we might disagree yeah, about yeah. this but i think there's times when i realize after it's happened that that was the end and I missed it and that the other people I'm playing with they knew yep. that was the end and yep. I didn't yep. and I fucked up and yep. I know I fucked up and I, I actually don't believe that just because it's improvised right. music that there's no wrong right. answers I yep. nope I fucked up no, that was it and I missed the boat yeah. and so now I have to like generate a new end like I don't want to just now stop. I'm. That's where I'm like I'm not going to just take the horn out of my mouth. <laughs> you know, like, I, now it's like okay well this mistake is now part of the context, so how are we going to generate a new end? And I'll well, try to listen better. Dancers have it. I mean, dancers would say, find an ending. Yeah. And, and, and you they have to. speak it. You're right. They'd say, okay, we're doing this. 
and they'd be watching and in, in process in terms of improvisation or yeah in building a piece and then the, whoever's watching and they usually have outside eyes in, in the rehearsal process and, they, and they'll say okay find an ending yeah. everybody it isn't like this ends now right but find but find and yeah right exactly yeah oh you can be but there's there's also a question of what happens in the moment and then l- listening back to a recording in a in a focused way and say okay this happened yeah and identifying the parts right because um that's what i find is one of the best ways to do it but the problem is now what I'm finding is like, okay, in order to work, I need a regular band. Mm, yeah. You know, like going out and playing with different people is, is, is great. But in some respects, at this stage of my life, it's, uh, it takes as much work as playing a standard. It really does. I mean, you can't just say, oh, it's just free improvisation. Right. It's just, no, motherfucker, it's not. Right. It's so, hard work. But all I was saying before is that I appreciate that approach and that attitude, but you also know in in any free improv scene, there's people who don't. Yep. That, that actually do just think, ah, just make it up. It's fine. And there's no effort put into finding the ending, finding the middle, finding the whole thing, but it's just a matter of... And, and the egos that we... Like what you were saying with your story... Yep. That's a part of. I don't know any free improv scenes that don't have somebody in it like that. Whether it's, I mean, it's often a horn player, but it might be a guitarist, might be a drummer, might be other folks who, mm-hmm. who just want to show off, who just want to blow. Just want. To I pick my people, man. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just sort of like. Yeah. These are possibilities. These are heavy players. Yeah. And it's personalities. It's right. not when it comes to free improvisation. It's really about personalities. Right. And. I don't play with people I don't trust. Right. Because it's a trust game for me. Totally. Yeah. You know, and it's just sort of like, and because I'm in Toronto and I'm not interested in going anywhere else. Right. And I'm kind of the opposite of you, I think. I'm like, I'm a mushroom now, right? And <laughs> it's like, or a plant. And my days of thinking of a career or something like that is really kind of done. You know, yeah. I'm not into it, but you know, I'm, I'm interested in community and being local, right? Yeah. And developing that. And uh, so it's like, I know these people, and a, a lot of the horn players are women. Like, I play with a lot of women yeah. players, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the, I, I'm thinking of players I want to play with, and I can't think of any men trumpet players. Right. Or men reed players. <laughs> and, I, and I love these guys, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. They're my brothers, right? And it's just sort of like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. And all I can think of is putting together, I'm putting together a night called Damen und Herren, which is men and women in yeah. German. And and I've chosen four older horn players from my background. Yeah, I love these guys. I mean, they're they're from back in the day with me. Yeah. I was in a couple of their bands or whatever, right? Yeah. And then four younger women who are coming yeah. up now and just just do sets, right? And I I, I kind of looked at it. I know they're going to get along. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. They're not just by by knowing the personalities. I know that the guys will be. The guys are teaching university a couple of them, so they're all like sympathetic to you know, younger players and yeah. And I, I don't get any vibe. And one of them ran for mayor, okay. Richard Underhill from the Demons, Shuffle okay. Demons. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's he said yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, and he he jobs. He works all over the world. All these people are like yeah, yeah, it's totally. Let's do it, right? Yeah. Kind of thing. So 
just beautiful people. But it's like, I got to know the people, I got to be able to trust them and, and, and them and not get, you know, like, uh, we didn't make any money, man, it's a drag. It's, they don't even ask me this. That was a lot of fun, right? They're right. all packing up to go, and I'm saying, hey, here's your money, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, great, awesome, you know, kind yeah. of thing, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's about that, and that, that translates into the playing. That means I can tell them anything I want, right? I can sort of be on the bandstand, and I can be saying shit. I can be like, okay, you start. Okay, I'm really hearing a duet yeah. between the you, Kayla, playing soprano. Kayla Melman, so it's a phenomenal soprano player. Cool. She's just great. And she's a younger woman, and Wes is an older guy. He's a contractor, you know. He's out of his truck and plays acoustic bass. Really great bass player. I said, okay, dang, yeah. you guys play. Yeah. That kind of thing. So it's sort of like, I am, and, and I'm sort of like, well, what do you want to do? And they look at me and say, you're the boss, right? So I'm like, that's right. You know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this okay. is how it's going to go. And, and for me, it is like about that, okay, giving somebody the sense that it's their idea that's going to start the piece and that we're going to play their idea until it morphs into everybody's idea. Right. So it, it's direction to a certain extent. And I kind of got the hint of this earlier when you were talking about um, was it socialized abstraction yep. was the concept. But I mean, the other, the other thought that I keep having about improvisation is that, um, I mean, we're having a conversation right now. It is improvised. Oh, yes. I didn't know what your, I mean, I asked you to think about a story before I came over, but other than that, there wasn't much, uh, there wasn't a lot predetermined, right? You had a, you had a, no format. You had the general story you were yeah, going to tell. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what it was, so then I'm responding to you. And yeah. actual interactions between people are usually improvised yes. most of the time. Absolutely. If they're genuine, right? Yeah. Uh, if you have a job at a grocery store where you have to just say the same thing, it's, you know, that's, that's a bummer, but like, that's the exception. <laughs> yeah, but there's these, usually like, something will come around that makes you want to, that will change your approach yeah. to it. You'll have somebody who will start a conversation with you. Right. And just, uh, or give you a hard time about something and then you got to build on that, right? right. right? That's, what, that's what I mean, is that even, yeah. These situations where you're not improvising are usually unpleasant and usually the exception and not, not yeah. the rule. Yeah. Um, and that's where I think I think I have a lot of beef with this, what you call, you know, the pissing contest is that it's I, I think a lot about how it's it's probably I mean it's cyclical, I'm not saying one only informs the other, but yeah. how men not listening to each other, to women to anyone mm -hmm. is a problem in our society and then we see it in the music that we play right we see men it's not always men but usually men uh who don't listen who are up there to show how fast and how loud they can be and then where they're just not listening and i i guess i just think again this is where if we if we use music to help ourselves listen better it can only have positive effects in the rest of our social Fuck life yeah, right? man. when my daughter was born I was glad she was a woman yeah you know because we're talking about patriarchy yeah okay the substrate the subtext of uh, of our existence in this civilization okay yeah. and I don't want people listening to think I'm going to go all political about it but it's a reality for me yeah, yeah. I got it when I give her to a daughter I knew it's okay great she's on the bottom she's gonna have to go up from the bottom and struggle but 
that's cool because it's it's the kind of thing where you know if you struggle with support you know good family and a society that's starting to get a little more with it yeah you know uh then it's kind of like it's better than having a son and trying to deconstruct his power taking away power is always harder than giving power interesting or taking power right because we're fish in water man how the fuck do we know what privilege we have as men i'm talking as men yeah not black white or anything yeah but how do we know what we have if we're constantly have been affirmed and me as an older man yeah i mean you know it, it was fully you know in full fucking spectrum from when I was growing up, right, right. I was born in '57, man, and uh, yeah. I came through the '60s, and I learned from the '60s. Yeah, learned from LSD, that kind of thing. It's just <laughs> sure. like, yeah. oh yeah, I get it. And uh, <laughs> and it really, I de- in my family life, it wasn't ex- love expressed. Right, right, in the way I wanted it to be. I was cared for, but I wasn't loved. This is a bell hooks thing. Okay, from all about love, right? Okay, yeah. phenomenal book. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but um, I didn't identify it till later. But what? taught me about love, what gave me the idea of love was reading about San Francisco, Peace and Love, in Time and Life magazine, because every, the major media freaked out, yeah. and they didn't know what it was, so they made <laughs> all these investigations, right? I'd be sitting in the library reading this, and I'm going like, wow, this is great, everybody <laughs> yeah. should be like this, right? Yeah. And I took it to heart. Yeah. You know, I really did, I, I just sort of, I went, okay, I get this, this where is the way I want to be treated. Where were you living then? Ottawa. In Ottawa, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is so that was, where you grew up? I grew up there. I was born in Sri Lanka, but I, okay. My my dad started the first embassy in Canada. Oh, okay. So he was a diplomat. I was a diplomat's brat, you know. Okay. So and Ottawa's full of those. Okay. And uh, oh, I could tell you stories. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. Ottawa wasn't a backwater. At one time, it was the freest place for drugs in North America, and at okay. one time, they had the most import records. They had import two re- record stores because all these guys would be going over to England. And buying, all of a sudden decided, oh, we're going to start a business. They're bringing stuff back that didn't show up in L.A. or New York. Okay. It was phenomenal. I mean, those yeah. are those are like raw capitalism, you know? Yeah. And uh, so anyway, yeah, so it's, it's the sort of thing where you had to, like now, how do men figure it out? Because I can't judge now. It's just sort of like, okay... You're doing this. You actually know what the fuck you're doing, do you? Because I swear to God, most of them, most guys don't, because they haven't asked them some themselves these questions. The only thing that they can apply as human beings is radical fairness. You know, would you want to be treated this way? Would you? Want, does this constitute disrespect? How how does this constitute? Okay, put yourself in this woman's position, walking down the street and being catcalled. Right. You know, would you? Would you like that? And some guys would say, hey, no problem, right? A woman cat calls me, and all the rest of this is no, man, but because it's about power. Right. Rape is about power. Racism is about power. It's all about power over somebody. So how do you tell somebody who has power, period, just simply because of their gender or their class, that they should really divest themselves of this power or realize that they have this power and start figuring out how to fucking divest themselves? Right. That's serious fucking work. That's decolonization, man. Right. I mean, I can see where you're saying that you were personally glad that you got to go the other route with a little girl, but 
that's that's still the work that we gotta do. I mean, <laughs> that's still all of our work. Oh I mean, God. men's work, I think, in particular. Well, men, men. I, I'm taking very basically. Okay, what do I have to do with this little person? Right. If it was a man, my work's cut out for me. I would be constantly thought we can't, and this is how it works. Right. With a woman, it's like. Yeah, right on, you know. <laughs> right. I want you to get your black belt by the time you're 16, and then study some Krav Maga, and I'll take you and show you how to shoot. <laughs> I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, just yeah. Sort of, it's easy, man. It's just sort of like, fuck him, you know. Right. You know, she's got to look at some guy who's being a dick and think, my dad would never treat me like that, so I'm going to drop the fucker. <laughs> you know? And I want her to be that. <laughs> you know, I told I told my step granddaughters. I got two step granddaughters, man. Yeah. One's thirty. One's like you know twenty seven, and they're gorgeous. I love them to death. But I told them once, I said, man, I'd rather visit you in jail than visit you, your graveside. Yeah. So you fucking take them out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm a Buddhist yeah. too. It's hard for me. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking. No, it's hard like, for me to wrap. Like, Isn't a lot of Buddhists? Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> it's really hard. It's really hard. This is where the emotional yeah. thing is get in. You know, it's it's hard. This is where the buttons get pushed. Yeah, to yeah. Being a Buddhist because w- am I willing to be okay with my daughter dying? Right. And it, it, it just that's even the if it's less than. That. I mean, obviously that's that's extreme. But even yeah. I'd still rather visit her in jail than like. The ER too, probably. I mean, like, even if she's not dead, you don't want. Her, you don't well, want her all armed. I can do is, yeah, all I can do is is make sure she's a self confident woman and be able to act on that self confidence. Yeah. Like, definitely, don't get into a situation. Yeah. Like you know, it, the best thing to do is run. Yeah. You know, you don't. You and I know that as as you know people who've been around. You know, yeah. it's just like you don't. <laughs> if you if you got the opportunity, just go the other way as fast as you can. Yeah. But if you don't have the opportunity and your life is threatened, right? Like I've been facing this. It's like, oh, you know, she's she's my world, right? So it's like, I would die for my daughter. The big question for me as a Buddhist is, would I kill for her? Mm. You know, that's that's it. I'll put my way in the, myself in the way of shit. I got no problem with that. But it's, if it's a question of like, okay, once I put myself in the way of shit and I'm down, and then she's left with this other shit gonna affect her what does that do to me right where's my head at you know, it's it's hard but you know again it's it's easy in the sense of you know that's that's it's weird but that's that's the good side of being oppressed hmm. you can act it's easier to take power than divest yourself of power because at least you know that the power what power is right, right. it's spelled out you know, I can't walk down the street without being afraid. That is, okay, there's the power. But a, somebody who has the power has no fucking clue. They just act out. Right, right. You know? and it's And that's where the compassion comes in. Because those guys who are blowing their guts out and <laughs> playing tenor saxophone, like, all I do is throw up my hands. Like, what are you going to do? They weren't, they're not bad people. Right. They didn't get it. Oh, you're saying that's where compassion comes in for you to try to, like, not... Not be judged, not, not judge. Yeah, it just realized that, you know what? You can be like, when I was going through some work on myself uh, with the aid of somebody else, I guess you could call it therapy. One of the things he asked me was like, um, what do you think George Bush thinks of what he's doing? It's when he was president, right? Right, right. And that was politicizing the course and not minding my own business but I always thought about it and thought about it and thought about it I said 
I looked up and I said, I think he thinks he's doing the right thing. And he looks, my therapist looked at me and said, yeah. He's like, I think he just thinks he's doing the right thing. And I think, uh, look at the shit that's happening now. And of course, the results of the thing, the results of <clears throat> Trump's like unbelievable fucking boneheadedness. But it's just sort of like, that's bad. But if I looked at a person personally, like, look, I watch Trump and look at how he sits. He's like this, cross-armed, holding his chest in. This yeah. is not this, I'm confident. Got my arms wrapped around my chest, and I'm the man. He's holding himself in. I look at him like, I know that kid. I was that kid once. Okay. I'm fucking scared. I'm, I'm, so I'm acting out because I've been able to act out, and I have this power, but really deeply when I see his body language, I just look at him and say, you're fucked up, man. You're seriously fucked up. Yeah. And you got, you had to do things to yourself you know, in order to be this person. And those things weren't good. Okay, yeah. You know, I, and I don't know, but you know, I don't know the guy or anything, that's just me and my own perceptions of things. Right. So, as as men, just generally, and I see that in the culture that I've seen expressed more so in the States, because we hear more from the States. Yeah. And stuff, and see all this like Eric Prince and all those psychos from the Christian right and stuff like that. Yeah, Eric Not, Prince. Uh, Eric Prince is the guy who used to run Blackwater. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a billionaire. He runs private armies, private yep. security firms. Yeah. He's just like, whoa, you know, you're crazy. He's an ex-seal. Yeah. So he's a heavy guy, right? But it's just sort of like, mm, you don't get it. You really don't get it. Why are you doing this? Why are you negatively affecting? You know, aiding and abetting colonization, aiding and abetting oppression, aiding and abet abetting like Fallujah, all these places. You know, it's just like all this shit. Why'd you go in there, man? Like, why didn't you? But go it goes back to the power you're talking about, right? Yeah. Like he's getting something out of it. He's getting a oh, shit yeah, ton yeah. of money he's getting, out of it. Yeah, well, he's getting validated. Yeah, he's getting on a very fundamental basis. If you're validated in doing this shit, and if you're blowing your guts out on a on a solo and not listening and stuff like that. And you think you're great because you can wiggle your fingers in a particular way, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's just, yeah. it's like, I'd rather play music than guitar, you know, but some people don't think that way. People would like to play guitar rather than music. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. You know, so it's like, no, man, let's play some fucking music. Right. You know. It's not a sport. It's not yeah. just to, like, go up and see how much you can deadlift. It, it, yeah. It's It's... It's crazy, and it's actually non-musical. There's a story. Lester Young was in a bus, traveling with Basie's band, right? And this young hot alto player came in. He was walking up and down the bus as the bus was going, right, traveling, just you know, playing, just ripping it apart, you know, playing Charlie Parker backwards, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And he shoved his horn in uh, Lester's face, and just blew like crazy. And Lester apparently is probably zoned out, right, on smack. And he just looked up at him and just said, yeah, but can you sing me a song? Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And you see that people get that. Like, audiences get that. Yeah. You know, that's why they understood, like, mid-train, when train was playing those ballads, you'd break your heart. Right. Same with Miles, you know. But even, I feel like, you take somebody like Coltrane, <laughs> and even when he was going... Ape shit. Yep. It was for something. It was to try to communicate something, to try to access 
something. He was trying to talk to God. Right. That's what he was doing. <laughs> right. And you you happened to be there. Yeah. Right. He wasn't connecting. I don't. It's like I try to keep my focus on my playing, but the state I go into when I'm playing, it's really hard for me to take the audience into account. You know. But I trust myself in the sense of like. I want to be a human being. I want to be a good man. And I want to be, have these fundamental values that will perhaps hopefully inform my playing. Yeah. It's fundamental. Like you, it's for free improvisation. If, you, if, if I have to open myself up to that amount, what gets revealed when I open myself up? It's my self, my personality, my, my beliefs, right? And that's... That's what that's my own personal feeling about it. You know, that's that's okay. what I feel I'm doing, and the audience gets to see it. And if they got any sense of being uh, observant about it, they're gonna see what's happening. I think that way of thinking about it still. <clears throat> I'm just thinking through this right now, but yeah. uh, I tend to think it's a little bit more about creating a thing that somebody else also feels like you're expressing them yep and that um self-expression is great i'm not like knocking it or anything but i feel like when someone has a powerful experience in the audience it's not just because they just got to see a bit of you it's because you showed them a bit of them oh absolutely and and whether or not you intended to but like that's like that's when we really when we cry during a show or like really feel moved it's dead when, on that this person i don't even know yeah. somehow like opened up me yep. and showed me me yeah that's insane that that would happen yeah i don't know this person yeah yeah that's, well, that's, i feel like that's no the you're un- totally right I mean, that, of, that's the end game of showing yourself yeah, yeah. it's your commonality but i guess i'm just saying when you since we're talking about you know men who don't listen in particular where yep. you can show yourself without you can miss mm. the that step of showing yourself in a way that shows somebody else themselves, and then you, then you've just, you've said something, but you haven't communicated. Like you've you've just you've just expressed. Well, that's the but work. It, yeah. That is the work. Yeah. If you're really nailing it, you know, if you're really making it happen, then you are showing a part of yourself that that you have. That is beautiful, no matter how fucked up you are and how badly you treat other people. People have got to deal with the fact that there's a part of you that is not only decent, but really, really nice. Sure. I guess I'm just, that I'm with you. But then the other, the other side of it, too, is then mm-hmm. looking at ways that... Because I feel like if I'm in an audience and I can hear what you're going for, and then there's this tenor player that's just shitting all over it yep i also that i feel like i would also be wounded in a different way it's not yeah. as maybe it's not as personal for me but i there's plenty of times where i see a band and i just like what you're doing right now is is mean or is is just like callous or just it feels mm-hmm. you can't lie like with a, music man. like a like a harmful yeah. thing um but then you know, then you have an insight of what that person's, yeah. what wounds he has or what, what 
That, mm. Again, that's a part of the compassion for me. Is that right. Compassion is a PhD in Buddhism. It's just like it's sort of like, okay, he, just another human being, man, and he just, or she, right. basically showed me how fucked up they are. Right. In that way. So what do you do with that? Right. Of course. I mean, I it, it's I can say it's like just shut up. You know, take the fucking horn out of your mouth, just, like, <laughs> put the sticks down or whatever, and turn yeah. off that amplifier or whatever. You know, stop it. But it's just so like yeah, whatever. You know. So it's really. I mean, I guess it is in everything. In all forms of music is personality. The best if you can play with people that you like and you trust, then it's gold, right? Right. You know, even if it fucks up. You yeah. know, everybody will, more than likely, they're going to say, ah, oh, fuck, shit, sorry, I fucked up. You know, right, that kind right. of thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. going to be able to say that, yeah. you know? And that's cool. Yeah. yeah, and it's a lot, when you were describing being sort of like wounded in this situation, right, part of it was that they, they didn't get that what they were doing. Yeah. Right, whereas if somebody just fucked up and then realized they fucked up, it would it'd be a mistake, but it, yeah. it wouldn't be... Um, it wouldn't necessarily be devastating. No, they would have pulled. They would have done something. I would have heard them fuck right. up. They yeah. would have. I would have heard them go, "Oh shit!" Right. You know what that's like, like in playing, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, oh, the energy just. Well, then you, and then you look for a way to, to yeah. get out of it. And then, yeah. then they'll they'll basically go like, "Okay, I'm gonna pull back and hope so. Hopefully, somebody will cover for me." <laughs> yeah. Kind of yeah. thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the other one other gig that was like that was like my first band, the first band I was in, the guy who was playing, one of the guys was, it was a trio, and the drummer, unbeknownst to the bass player and I, because we never got high mm -hmm. uh, during rehearsals, and we always played straight, turned out the drummer was like doing everything. Okay. From the time he got up, and we never knew this. Okay. And then we played this major festival gig, and we're in the middle of playing, and it's a phenomenal fucking drummer, it's ridiculous. He ended up kicking the drums kit all over the stage. Main stage gig in front of like, you know, 500 people. Right. Playing improvised and tunes. We were playing on that and some Henry Threadgill tunes and shit, right? On a trio. And it was just so like, bass player, I was just looking at you, what the fuck just happened, right? Because the bass drum goes skidding across between us, right? Okay. And he was just like kicking the drums and throwing on the, not quite a Keith Moon. <laughs> You know, this is in the middle to, of the set? This is not like at the end? Well, it became the end of the okay. set. <laughs> that was it. And I was like, okay, what are we going to do? Well, that's it, I guess. I guess that's the end. I guess that's the end. And it oh, wasn't like Keith, which was like, I mean, he carried it. Yeah. Keith Moon carried it. It's just like, all right, end of the, end of the, end of the, he knew that at the end of the set, he was going to destroy his drum kit and Pete right. was going to destroy his guitar. And John looked at him like they're assholes, right? But, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, that was like, it completely short circuits you. Yeah. In the middle of playing and all of a sudden shit like that happens, it's like, then we, yeah, and that's what we found out later. What the f he was just looking at me and he was like, you know, he's had the, that, you know, junky sweat on him and his eyes okay. were blown open and it was just like, and then we found out, you know, he's been drinking speedballs and, you know, and it's everything. Yeah. And he was like married and had this beautiful, you know, awesome wife. And it just seemed like he didn't, never told us he was doing anything. Right. Right. But you're saying he had been doing that for a while and just oh, announced yeah. to you and 
What was it about that? Why was that night so different? Any idea? Uh, he just lost it. Okay. Really, like he had, he, I think he was doing all of this because he had enormous stage fright. Oh. And he was just compensating. And, and uh, he, okay. Why he was doing this while we were playing, just rehearsing. Because that, that band, we rehearsed every week for two years. Yeah. That was a free band playing tunes, and that was what, that was the awesome part of it, is that we really developed the vocabulary. Yeah. And, and language, and it was a great, great band. It was the first one, right? And then after, after that gig, it just, it just fell apart. Nobody yeah. wanted to do it anymore. It was just too fucked up. Like, I couldn't, I, I was just thinking, I can't go on stage with this guy. Right. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Right. Mm. If you don't have that trust. That, no, that yeah. trust. You break it, man. Yeah. And it's like, it's not like, okay, we got to, you fucked up, but we got this other gig and we got this recording and we got a, you know, we're an indie band trying to make money and we got this career and we're climbing up the ladder, that kind of shit. And right. You kind of compensate and just say, don't fucking do that again or I'll beat the crap out of you or something like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or do something, I said, or you're fired. Right. You know, I won't play with you anymore. And then the whole cachet of career and, and self-image and that, that comes into it. Sure. Maybe they'll straighten out. I don't know. It's right. not like free, free, free improvisation is a, is a world, but in, some, in a lot of respects, it's no different than any other yeah. genre of music, you know, in terms of how personalities interact. And but you're saying after that, you just, you guys just stopped. Just, Pretty much. That was it, yeah. That was it. I mean, it was just sort of like, okay, we, got, I can't, we can't do anything more with this. Right. And he, he had actually, you know, had a pretty massive breakdown pretty shortly after that, so it wasn't, it wasn't like we could do anything. And, and you know, it's, a, and you know, it's. I'll still talk to the guy. In fact, I love him. You know, he's he's, yeah. he's a friend. Right. He's no longer in Canada, but it's like he's a friend, and, and I'll give up time for him. Yeah. You know, it's just like, what are you gonna do? It's just like, he's an addict, or he was. Like right. he is now, but it's just sort of like that guy's out of control. Right. So he's not being himself. Right. He doesn't want to do this. But you can love him and and respect him and still say, well, I'm not going to put myself in a position where of course that kind of totally unpredictable thing oh, yeah. is is going to maybe ruin a gig. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's fucked up. But blowing your blowing your guts out and not listening is a whole other deal because if I feel if I can come back to I've played with those players again and come back to a situation and just and just be able to be strong enough within myself to shut that shit down you know especially if I'm rehearsing or something right or just basically just get up on stage usually what I do is just stop playing right you know but sometimes stop playing is a musical statement and I do that for a reason but but they'll fucking know that I'm not happy. Yeah. And I'll feel confident that they're going to be able to take it. You know. Did you end up talking to those folks Did, about what had happened in the first story? Interestingly enough, no. Okay. No, Do I didn't. Do you think they, they, I mean, because you've played with them since, and I, you, I'm just curious, you, when you say, like, you, you'll shut shit down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I, it's funny because I create situations, and... I, if I know something is going to happen, and, I, and, and if I played with them again, it wasn't in that context. Right. 
it was right, just free improv like, hey right. man I'll, I'll meet you right if you want to play that stuff you know I'm a guitar player with an amp right you know <laughs> fuck with me okay I'll, I'm gonna make no matter what you're doing I'm gonna I'm up here to make music I'll make music out of what you're doing right right you know yeah, somebody's not listening to me that's cool I'll just play around them and, and to make and make and embellish or you know it's like somebody it's like it's laser beam and I'll just play around this laser beam but the contextualization that I make all you know is not, I know they're not listening to me but yeah. I will make musical statements that will frame it Right, I in a very particular way. Yeah, that's the skill, right? right. It's just sort of like, okay, you give me a situation, I'll be able to deal with it. Mm. You know, it's just, I've done this. You know, I've done this for a long time. So it's sort of like, okay, if the idea is to make music, I might not want, want to play with them again, or I'll say after we're sitting down, you know, they're having a beer or whatever, and I'll just say, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they'll like, okay, fine. You know, but it's when it's equal. When you're up on stage and, and nobody's got leadership roles or anything like that. Yeah, well, thank you for okay. sharing. It's been fun. It's nice to yeah. see you. It's good to see you too. This episode of Worst Show Ever was made possible by the Patreon pledges of Dewana Fryman, Meg Roberts, Christina Poez, and Evan Quayberg. If you'd like to support this endeavor, please go to patreon.com slash worst show ever.